0: Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where we're here to discuss the end of year press conferences and kind of look ahead to the next season with the information we've gathered. Lots of coaching changes, um, lots of like other news <laughs> in the NFL to kind of talk about. But I guess like first things first, the the mega domino that kind of sprung all the rest of the change was McDonald going to Seattle as head coach, six year deal. Great for him. Um, he already said that their fans are the best fans in the world, which is a little rude.
1: <laughs> but uh, here we are. Classic coach speak, right, guys? Oh, I mean, most definitely. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? They gave him the keys, right? <laughs> Go in there and just be like, man, you know, you guys are great, man, but Baltimore, man, Baltimore, uh, you guys will never be Baltimore. I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> he signed the contract already. They're not going to fire him. But I mean, you know, I think I understand his point there, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a bittersweet thing. It's awesome for him. I mean, just to see him, I mean, his first year as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Um obviously he was on the staff before that and then he was had that gear in Michigan, came back a great success. It's um incredible to see him have that turnover and and now he gets a head coaching job and hopefully for him it'll uh it'll turn out better than it has for, you know, other previous uh Ravens uh, you know offensive coordinator excuse me defensive coordinators who turned head coach because um the track record is not terribly great as far as you know getting big postseason success and making it to the Super Bowl but um best of luck to him I mean he's got a lot of talent obviously um it's gonna be a tough rebuilding job there in Seattle maybe not rebuilding but retooling um the kind of you know there, it's a good squad there, but definitely needs some work there to, to get them to be a, a contender. Are
2: we still allowed to be sad? <laughs> I feel oh, like this one... Yeah. Uh, this one, yeah. I mean, this one definitely hurts still a little bit. Um, just, uh, you know, end of season emotions, particularly with uh, this been the day after the Super Bowl. <sighs> Man... Just uh, McDonald was special for sure. This defense was special. Um, You know, certainly I do think, you know, we're going to have a a great guy, I think, replace him, who I am pretty excited about. But it it hurts, man, that, uh, you know, we weren't able to win it all with McDonald because, uh, man, yeah, his his defense this year was pretty special. But, you know, on on the other hand, uh, you know what I am looking forward to, though? Uh, Some Seattle matchups against uh, the 49ers and the Rams. I mean, we saw how those matchups were this year. And, uh, you know, the Rams game, obviously, I mean, that was a shootout. It was a really exciting game. And, uh, you know, the 49ers game, I mean, it was a clinic by McDonald's, um, really. So, um, you know, good for him. Uh, hopefully, you know, he brings back uh, Seattle, brings him a lot of success. Um, not that Pete Carroll didn't, but, you know, it's kind of tapering off a little bit at the end. But. Yeah. unfortunately, uh, you know, we'll get to a couple of the other ones, but, uh, you know, McDonald wasn't the only guy to, uh, to leave for greener pastures, you know, other, you know, pretty much a lot of the staff, I think, you know, you're talking about Anthony Weaver going to, uh, Miami and take their defensive coordinator position, uh, Denard Wilson to go to Tennessee as their defensive coordinator. You know, I mean, there's your secondary, uh, coach, your defensive line coach, and then the linebacker coach, uh, so I got the promotion here Zach or so um it's going to look very different this year
0: I also really I just need to point this out real quick that the assistant offensive line coach who uh looked like Greg Roman is going to LA to be the o-line coach under Greg Roman so that's fun <laughs> There you
2: go I still cannot believe that <laughs> the Chargers brought him back man I just, I, I want to, like, I, I, I want to know, slight tangent, everyone who may still complain about John Harbaugh being, uh you know, hiring for, like, nepotism, like, always hires his guys, but, like, brother Jim literally comes <laughs> back how many years after he leaves the NFL? Six, seven, you know, however many years it's been since he's been a head coach for the 49ers in the NFL. Immediately rehires Greg Roman, offensive coordinator from like ten years ago. Like Jim's Jim's the guy, man. Jim's mm. Jim's the one going <laughs> back to the Greg Roman well. You know, John at least I can understand of like Roman had a successful offense and you know a retread or something like that's a little bit de- different than nepotism. But like Jim immediately came back and hired Roman, and uh, I just I don't know how that's going to fit with uh, with uh, you know the quarterback over there just. Herbert, <laughs> just blanking on the name, I have no idea how it's going to fit with him, man. Uh, definitely a very different quarterback than Lamar, than Kaepernick, uh, all the guys that he's coach. Taylor, if you want to throw him in there too, um, we'll certainly see. But <laughs> it's just that is, I think that's something everybody looked at. They're like, you know, you can't hire Roman, you can't hire Roman for Herbert. Don't do it. Don't do it. And what does he do? He does it anyway. Like, oh my <laughs> god.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh definitely was a little surprised by that. Talking about, uh, Harbaugh's man, Jay Harbaugh, special teams coordinator now under uh, under Mike McDaniel or McDonald, rather. Um, so he, he got his Harbaugh connection in there. He did his prerequisite, uh, <laughs> Harbaugh hire. And, uh, the rest of his staff actually not coming from the Ravens. So he didn't name an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Ryan Grubb from the Commanders is coming over for offensive coordinator and then defensive quarter, coordinator. I'm actually not that surprised, maybe he didn't get a, a Raven because, um, He said in his press conference, he's going to continue to call defensive plays until, you know, further notice. So I guess maybe people were you know, it's kind of like almost like a Shanahan offensive coordinator where you're like, how much are you coordinating? You're not calling the plays. Um, So uh, Aiden Durday is coming over from the Cowboys. He was our defensive line coach. So uh, I guess the Ravens like lucked out. I thought we were going to definitely lose some more people because of that. But seems as though if we do, it'll be lower level guys. Um and I haven't heard of heard of Peep yet. So
2: Yeah, i will have to see. Like I said, I mean hopefully um you know the, the good news is, is just with all the turnover we already have, um it's good to keep good to keep some guys around. I mean you have to you have to wonder, maybe the Ravens said something to him like, you know, hey, we'd be happy to have you go, but like, you know, pop the brakes on <laughs> you know how many people are here to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not short, sure, but um certainly does help. Yeah, that I mean a lot of position coaches that we're gonna have to replace. Um a really yeah, you know, it's it's funny like you know it feels like it's not really something that we talked about too much during the season of just how good all of the coordinators were on the side of the ball. I mean, you know, we, we always talk about like the offensive defensive coordinator, but we don't really talk about the pos- positional coordinators. But uh but yeah, going into this offseason, I mean, with so many guys leaving to be able to uh, get promotions elsewhere, like I mean, it really was in hindsight an excellent staff.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing that's crazy about Denard Wilson is that he was the defensive coordinator, kind of took a step-down role, played uh, an incredible role in creating, I think, a secondary out of of scraps, you know? I mean, we were so worried about this group, and then, boom, the DBs looked awesome under his tutelage, and uh, I I think he's going to do great things in Tennessee. Uh, He was definitely talented, thought he might be a candidate for us, and Weaver, you know, everyone was like, oh, he might be a head coach, like— and, and Harbaugh was p- pumping him up at the conference when they talked about, uh, you know, having select Orr, I think. And, yeah, like, he's gone now, too. Um, so all the internal candidates, you know, that we thought might be get hired, they, they all got picked up. There was no internal candidate. Because, I mean, Orr was uh, highly considering the Packers job. It sounded like he, it was his to take. And then Harbaugh was like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> I raised your he- Roquan
1: Smith. Exactly. Now, <laughs> was he linebackers coach, or was he going to be defensive coordinator? There? he was going to be linebackers coach, right? No, no, he, he was getting interviewed for defensive coordinator. Was he getting interviewed just defensive mm-hmm. coordinator? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think we we all know who which uh, was the right decision for him there. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and it's not that really they're not to see. I what, think they've been a good defense too, but yeah, I hear you. Oh, sure. I mean, that, that's not meant to diss the Packers. I mean, but you're talking about, you know, yeah. the Ravens who obviously <laughs> yeah. right now have a stacked roster and historically, you know, will, will continue to retool that. I mean, that's, that's a job you want to, you know, that's a job that if, you know, he's as good as, as I would imagine the front office thinks he can be in that position, like he's going to be able to project to launch himself to do what McDonald's doing right now and get a head coaching opportunity in a couple years, uh, as well. Um, man, yeah, really excited for Zach Orr. um, it's still such a bummer. Uh, just, I completely gut wrenching to him. I'm sure to see where his career went. I mean, obviously he had that breakout year in, in year three, 2016, um, just a great season by him, 133 total tackles there, including three picks and five passes defended. Um, but then at the end of that season, um, it was a shock shock to everyone. I remember uh their retirement um after he had that medical examination, uh the issue with his uh the vertebrae at the top of his spine um and the doctor's uncovering that, and noticing like this could be something that he was risking his literally risking his life continuing to play football um, so I mean uh an incredible story to see that now he's getting an opportunity uh to be able to have the defensive coordinator job here in Baltimore and Maybe be a head coach someday. Um, and incredible. I mean, a guy literally myself and Alex Age, um, dude. He's between Judas. us. I know. You know that? That's what. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: it's wild. There's not literally that
1: many same same actual <laughs> birth week as us. <laughs> Currently, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. We feel old, but great to see guys out of the '92 doing big things in the NFL. And um, I mean you know i've i've got full confidence that he can do it because look the ravens they they're saying look they're giving him the keys and literally this franchise has not missed on defensive coordinator certainly some of them better than others but i mean even if you look at the guys like i'd say like maybe like you put like dean Pease, mike nolan at maybe you know slightly a, a rung or two below guys like uh, marvin lewis rex ryan um even even wink um and McDonald, obviously. I mean, those were still really, really good defenses that that those guys uh coached. They just weren't quite as dominant as as some of the others. This team uh this franchise has put together under other guys. So I mean it's it's big shoes to fill, but you know, you've got a homegrown guy th- th- in there who knows the Ravens way, who's played in his day with all pro guys like Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle, Jimmy Smith. I mean it It looks like a great move here. it looks like a great one and i'm really excited to see what his approach to a defensive strategy is going to be um compared to to what we saw with Mcdonald is he gonna do more of the same stuff or is he going to have his own his own spin you know it'll be uh be something really interesting to see yeah it's definitely um you know a little a little bit of a risky move i think just to go
2: with someone with more you know you know less experience rather um but uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, Peter, I, I really like it just from the fact of, you know, we know what Orr was as a player here. Um, you know, I think he was – honestly, I'm trying to think of all of the undrafted linebackers that have gone through. I mean, gosh, there's so many of them. But, I mean, Orr, I feel like if it weren't for his, um, you know, back injury that ended up, you know, forcing him to kind of retire, I feel like we would probably talk about Orr. Um, on, in the same breath as, like, a Bart Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to compare, like, you know, Ellerby. Like, yeah, he played for a little bit longer, but honestly, I feel like Orr's ceiling was a little bit higher than LRB. Um, You, I mean, you've got, like, McLean. You've got, you know, you've got a ton of those guys who, like, you know, played for the Ravens for several years and were very productive and, you know, good, um, you know, good players for us. But, I mean, Orr with that second-team All-Pro, like, I mean, he was playing at a really, really high level. Um, even Mosley, you know, was also, you know, playing well. Um, but even for a while, I think people were kind of like down on Mosley. They're like, "Oh, he can't. You know, he's not as good as you know, past protection or you know, or pass coverage, for example." And uh, you know, twenty sixteen, people were talking about War is kind of like, you know, oh, is, is he better than Mosley this year? So, um, I think that's really exciting. Uh, Mike McDonald. I mean, he's going to be a younger guy, but you know, it'll, it might pay off for you. And like I said, I mean, he's he's been here. He knows. He knows exactly what we want to do here. I mean, gosh, like you know, if <laughs> he could still technically be playing for us, if you know, he didn't have that back injury. So, um, you know, I think I think it's going to be exciting, uh, exciting to see what he does. I think it's going to be great, obviously, for Roquan. I think it's going to be great for Simpson. Um, I'm really curious to see how he approaches the secondary, though. I think um, you know that was something that obviously McDonald and with Wilson, I think they did a really, really good job. Um so yeah, going into this year, like a kind guy of like Kyle Hamilton, really curious to see how he, he moves him around.
0: I definitely think uh it's wild that I forgot that Bart Scott had a second team all pro. So they're basically identical, in my opinion. Um, as that being a major accolade and uh kind of would have gone on I I mean, he was about to get a huge contract and everything, right? So definitely uh unbelievable amount of life that he's lived i feel like I, I not only do i feel old but i also feel young because like the guy, i feel like he's <laughs> gone through so much life um in these 31 years to become uh in defensive coordinator and you know be the top of his field so to speak as an all pro and then to be the lose it all and then have to like regroup and then and now be again at the top of the field um you know there's only 32 defensive coordinators in the nfl which is incredible so Absolutely, congrats to him. I thought you brought up a great point as well, Chris. Um, Jason from Huddle Up Films brought it up too, and doing a show with Ken McKusick about inside linebackers that Trent Simpson has a huge opportunity here. You know, you have a former inside linebacker um, going to be coach. It is not surprising to me at all to think, you know, we might, we're probably going to lose Patrick Queen, right? Like, like, let's assume he's gone. Trent Simpson's going to be the next PQ in this defense. And he might be asked to play 100% of snaps like PQ, you know? Like, if we want to stay in this committed nickel look and have um, Hamilton in the, in the nickel and and all that, like, that could be a huge opportunity for him. And I think if anybody could teach it, it'll be or, you know? And maybe that's one of the reasons we saw Trent Simpson playing so well and having those flashes in the last game of the year where he had some playing opportunity finally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to see this defense next year and and how it evolves and also like specifically with one of the biggest holes uh, from free agency coming up maybe outside of edge um is inside linebacker and it's like the perfect you know marriage so that that makes me excited
1: oh yeah definitely and i i think when you talk about simpson um you know we didn't see as much of him on the field this his rookie years we would have liked he played well in that game against pittsburgh but Let's be honest, we were expecting him to be a rotational guy, a, a guy who was a regular contributor on defense this year. He wasn't, you know. Um, now, is that a matter of, of snaps? They wanted Malik Harrison in there more, or is that just a matter of his development? Hard to say, but if it is a matter of development, um, again, you love having a guy like like Zach Gore be in there because, like we said, he was an undrafted guy. He had to go through that process of figuring out how to – develop himself, how to adjust his game to, to an NFL that, um, you know, he was kind of behind the eight ball in when he got there. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you know, you want that in a coach over, I mean, of course everyone's, has uh, uh, we got excited, you know, when Ed Reed had his coaching opportunity, wherever that was, I'm forgetting now and <laughs> didn't go terribly well. I mean, there are some examples of star players that, you know, go, are able to coach as well as, you know, as well as they played in the NFL, very few. A lot of the times, the 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 former players are the ones that are successful. Coaches are the ones who had to do that struggle, and so they, you know, they understand the grind. They're able to develop players better in that fashion. So, um, obviously, Simpson's probably already been doing some work with or um, f- from this year, uh, past season. But yeah, like you're saying, it's just going to continue. It's continuing to look like a good opportunity for him to take his game to the next level is, is having Orr there being the coordinator, helping him get in situations where, you know, he can, he can grow and grow into that role that Patrick Queen is, you know, basically vacated at this point. (laughs) Yeah. The
2: only other thing, you know, kind of mentioned it earlier, um, you know, with the secondary coach and, you know, Weaver uh, also taking a, um, you know, going to Miami, you know, there's still some holes um, for these position groups definitely curious for who's going to replace weaver um, you know just knowing the strength that we had on defensive line this year was really good um, as far as i know chuck smith at least for the outside linebackers he's staying so which is great obviously that's another position group that would just played out in their mind this year um, you know but whoever uh, you know whoever or wants to get on that staff to uh, to replace weaver on defensive line i think it's going to be a huge hire whoever that is Especially if
0: you're able to potentially tag me out of BK. I think uh, I think it'll be key. Yeah, I maybe mean, that's the next thing to talk about. Like, what do you guys think is going to happen there? I uh, I don't think I want to sign him to a long term contract, frankly. And I'm happy to hear other thoughts on that. But my my thought right now is like, don't sign him to a long year contract. Try to tag and trade him because you might get more value. But like, it is a risk because there is like you know quote unquote cap implications, which. As I've mentioned before, I think is more more a matter of accounting than actual implications. But uh, you know, it's definitely between the void years and having to resign people early to like give yourself better accounting you know situations with that, and then uh, this tag and trade situation. Like, there's a lot of really big moves that will be made in the next week or two. I think it's actually like end of next week um, that you know need to be made. To to figure out what what we're going to do going forward, I guess like we can't tag right away, but you might be able to see read the tea leaves that we're preparing for it.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll admit I haven't looked too much at the uh, at the cap, uh, you know, the exact details of where the Ravens are at this point. Um, Nor have I really looked to see like what would the going rate be for a guy like Matabike. And it's tough, you know, it's tough because obviously there's only. So many guys you can pay the big bucks too, right? So, I mean, I I know, you know, just off the top of my head, obviously guys like Marcus Williams has a big cap hit, Marlon Humphrey on the defensive side, Roquan Smith, obviously. Um, I think Marlon's contract is something interesting to look at. I do wonder if there's going to be a restructure there, given the injuries that he had two of the past three seasons, um, if they'll work out something there with him. And either you know, there's others to look at as well, and I'm not going to continue to ramble here because I'll admit I have not looked into that as much as I would like to yet at this point. But I will say this: um, we, we we were expecting Matabike is going to be gone. We expected that back in the off season when they resigned, you know, Broderick Washington to his deal, um, which wasn't a huge deal, obviously, but it was something that made it look like okay, they're going to keep Washington and, and move on from Matabike. I really think that it's a move that I think the Ravens should consider giving him the big bucks. Now that being said, how much is too much? I'm not sure because he's going to get a huge contract from someone. Um, But I think this is a different scenario than say when you were giving, you know, I still like the move, but I know I'm in the minority of everyone who, you know, their thoughts on giving Brandon Williams that huge contract that we gave him, right? I mean, I think that he was an incredibly important part of our run defense for years after that, but that was a contract, in retrospect, a lot of Ravens fans didn't feel too great about. But Matabika, you're getting a player who is a lot more explosive, and and his disruption um, at the line of scrimmage, and the amount of sacks and and pressures he got, I mean, you got to realize, this year, he by far had the most sacks of any Ravens interior lineman in team history. The only guy that comes close would be maybe uh, Trevor Price in 2006. And that's just going to depend on exactly what position you say he was. I mean, um, you know, he played more interior with Denver, but I think he was more of an, of an outside guy with us. Uh, So if you're looking at that, I mean, look, (laughs) the guy finished, what was, I think fifth in the league in sacks first among interior linemen. If they give him a big contract, I wouldn't be upset with it because he is one of the top defenders in the league. It's really just going to come down to what does that do to everything else you want to do? Because you would already do have some big contracts. And also, hey, we got to figure out the left tackle situation too, right? So, and arguably as important as a guy like Matt Abike is, left tackle, I would argue, that's even more important for him to figure out what the future is there at that position.
2: Yeah, it's certainly tricky. I think um, I think if they were able to swing it, I would definitely want to tag him, um, have him play another year. I mean, the the big thing for me, um, obviously, you know, continuously gotten better. Um, the other thing with Maddie BK as well is um, he's been pretty healthy, all things considered, uh, for his four years here. Um, played almost every game. Snap count has continued to go up year after year. So uh, there's a lot of things that I like. Um, you know, just from his health, I think he can continue to be productive. And of course, you know, if he has another productive uh, year on the tag, I think that looks probably better for more of a long-term deal. Especially kind of considering, like, at that situation, you probably have a little bit more cap freeing up depending on you know Stanley Humphrey, some guys like those. I mean, those are two of the you know top five guys in terms of cap. Obviously, you have Lamar's cap number and everything there, which which is fine. But I mean, plenty of other. Plenty of other teams work at you know managing the caps uh, for their you know star players like KC for example. You've got Mahomes, and you've got Chris Jones at those you know positions respectively. So I, I think the Ravens could do it. Um, now, as for you know how to fit it in with the tag next year, you know it'll be a little tricky. Um, you know I certainly think that there probably be some moves to be made. Like you know what do you want to do about Bowser Ricard? Um, Things like that, of like you could get some savings back, uh, depending on what you want to do with those guys. So, um, we'll definitely see. Uh, you know, of the two, I, I feel like Matabike, if he were gone, that would be a bigger hole that we're talking about. We really don't have anybody to really take his spot. Um, uh, Travis Jones, although, he's really good, I don't really think he plays the same position as Matabike, and uh, you know, he, his production would definitely be really hard to lose. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you look at tackles, uh, there's not that many on the market. There are a couple people who might be good, but they also have had injury history and, and stuff like that. Probably looking to the draft, probably looking at the 30th pick with the tackle selection. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but you're right. The, there's only um, there's only so many ways to spend the dollars if you're uh, not worried about running an, a, a tab into in perpetuity, which would be my scheme if I was an owner. But I digress. (laughs) I would just—it's a credit card bill that never comes due. It literally never does. (laughs) You just—it's like if you want to spend four hundred million on your team every year, you in theory could do it.
1: (laughs) Right. You have (laughs) to remember though. Bashadi is a physical conservative and is opposed to that type of, of thinking though. So Well and, and,
0: and frankly none of them none of them do it. It's like a pact almost. Well, you right. know, like, yeah. yeah right. You know, they're, they're like, we're not gonna actually spend that much money. We wanna keep some money for ourselves. <laughs> it's always easy to spend someone else's money. Indeed. So we're uh we're looking at tackle. And I think that's um a good transition point with Stanley, you know. Um the end of your press conference didn't offer too much from EDC. He said he was gonna keep quiet about what he was gonna do with Madabika because he thought it worked well with Lamar. And then when they talked about Stanley, my joke uh, that I thought was, if you looked on Twitter, people were either saying, he's definitely getting cut, did you hear what he said, to, he's definitely sticking around, did you hear what he said, so whatever your disposition was <laughs> going into it, you could listen to him and hear the, that, that that was the next move, which is the definition of him not saying anything, which is exactly what he was supposed to do <laughs> in this situation. So, like, will he take a haircut in his salary this year, will there be anything going on there, potentially, who knows. Um, but... I think it's one of those things that Stanley is going to be on this team, at least for next year. Uh, but it will be a part of a progress to go away from him, most likely because um, the last year you can definitely cut him, save 20 million. Um, it's kind of like uh, Washington. I was looking at his contract while you guys were talking about it. And his contract is really interesting. He has no guaranteed money after next year, after 2024. However, because of the way like the bonus was set and his salary – that you couldn't replace him for cheaper. So unless he was really playing really bad, like the, the vet minimum is the same cost as what you're saving. So, or actually you might even be losing money replacing him. So you might as well keep him one more year. And then the last year is a completely like, you know, do we want to save 4 million on the cap or do we want to, uh, keep you around? So that, that's going to be the flexibility there. And there's a lot of those like expiring contracts too. If you look at the tackle situation, um, Next year is the last year of uh, Moses' contract. Do you want to extend him? Maybe that's the way you can make some money. Uh, then you have Philele, who has two more years left in his rookie deal. So, like, if you lose Moses, you have one year of Philele, but then you're, you're stuck again. You have no right tackle. Um, so there's definitely a lot of decisions that need to be made about our tackle situation going forward because everyone's about to expire on their contract. Uh, uh, McCary, as well, um, expires after this year. So everybody is, is come and due. And we have to figure out, you know, who we're going to keep and what our plan going forward is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think with Stanley, um, I hope he can come back. Um, And by that, I mean physically. He was so (laughs) dominant. He was so dominant in that game against Houston. Oh, man, it looked like he was back. He was his old 2019 self. And then the next week happened against the Chiefs. And it was just unfortunately for him. Uh, back to the inconsistency that we've seen all year. Um, I don't see them moving on from him this year, just for the fact uh, it's the most important position in the game outside of quarterback, right? So probably they draft someone. I'd be really surprised if they don't draft someone within you know the, their first three rounds of picks, and the, that'll be a developmental guy. And you know, Stanley will be there next year, and then if he's the, his old self, then they'll figure out how to, how to work that other guy in there, assuming that he pans out. Um, or if he, that guy turns out to be a bust or yeah, <laughs> Stanley's at least adequate. Maybe they keep him. I don't know, but it, it would really surprise me if he's not back next season. He showed some signs, maybe one more off season. He's able to finally get back. Um, in my opinion, he showed that if he's healthy, he can still be a dominant player. He's still got that skill. It's just, is his body going to be able to do it? Um, but yeah, I mean, going into next season with that big of a question at left tackle, I don't think that's what we want to do considering we have a, a roster that we're continuing to try and, and get to a Super Bowl here. That seems like a really, really poor idea. And I agree. You look at, at the free agents who are available. I don't think that you're looking at anyone who's going to be an upgrade over even a, you know, injured Ronnie Stanley. That's just the, those guys just aren't out there or projected to be out there at this time.
2: Yeah. All I can say is um, this off season, I'm, I'm glad we got the quarterback under contract, um, you know, very different from, from last off season. Um, certainly I think, um, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to be some decisions to make, um, you know, as far as like who needs to come back and what contracts to extend and things like that. But, yeah, like you said Peter, I mean, you know, this this roster has Super Bowl aspirations. So, you know, you I feel like you, you kind of try to stay the course with the core that you've got. Um, you know, see who you want to re-sign if you can of any. And then honestly, I mean, the most important thing to me is like the the draft. Um if we can hit on a couple of guys that are going to make a difference for us um, and really, you know, contribute Next year, I think that really helps kind of uh, keep that window open for twenty four, and then keep it open for a couple of years after that for sure. Um, I mean, again, just you know, look at like KC for example. Like, you know, you look at one of their like huge strengths this year, and their secondary guys like Sneed I mean, he wasn't drafted last year, but. Um, you know he's a pretty young guy. I think he's on an initial contract. And then you look at McDuffie. Uh, I'll eat my words on that. I think McDuffie played <laughs> out of his mind this year, <laughs> particular. He was, yeah. you know, he he's was good. okay like his rookie year, but like <laughs> this year, like yeah, he was definitely playing really good. Shout out, Jason. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that play in the end zone against though to save the yeah, touchdown. Yeah, that, that was yes. a real deal. <laughs> it was, it was is. a good play for sure. And yeah, I mean he's you know rookie yeah. rookie rookie corner on his you know second year. You know. Uh, Casey, you know, did a great job of, of drafting it back with Carl Oftis as well. Uh, huge impact in that game. So, um, that's what the good teams do, man. They have the, like the really good core and then they just supplement around it with really good drafts. So that's, it's going to be key this year for sure.
0: I can't wait to talk about it more. <laughs> well, Hey, I think, uh, Chris said the right words that we're excited that we had Lamar Jackson jackson under contract and he was excited about it too it was one of the first things he said during his mvp speech he said thanks to god and then thanks to getting that deal done (laughs) which got a good laugh out of the audience and um i think we can all say we're excited that that is behind us we're excited to see year two under munkin and the scheme and um you know congrats to lamar for finally winning the mvp uh was uh adam schwartz uh creator DeVoe. i've been such a fan of DeVoe this year and like talking about it more on the show just for him to do jackson dirty unbelievable one vote away from unanimous mvp for two times in a row which is like or, or for two times which has never happened for a player uh but yeah congrats to him man that definitely well deserved and um just a, a incredibly special player
1: yeah absolutely um I will say I was surprised that it was that close to unanimous. I mean, just because, like we said, um, no one, including Lamar, really ran away with the award, which isn't to say that Lamar didn't have a great season. But, I mean, the the, the season that he put up in 2019, he was putting up numbers that quarterbacks, you know, that rushing and passing combined, like, really, I mean, no one else was doing that. Consistently having four or five touchdown games – those games didn't really come till the end of the stretch of the season, which is what wrapped it up for him, let's be real. But um, still great to see him get that. Um, and look, I mean, it's frustrating that we didn't get to see him in the Super Bowl this year. But, I mean, the guy has so much talent. Um, the, the Ravens have been in, it, in the mix, if not the number one seed uh, at the end of the regular season. Every year he's been a starter. Um, to the point that he's played in that year, obviously two of those seasons he didn't finish. But yeah, I mean, look, you look. I think this year showed that he certainly has some things in his game that he needs to clean up on. There's certainly some throws that, um, you know, if defenses take away what he's likes to do and try and force him to to throw deep stuff along the sidelines, um, stuff where maybe he needs to lead his receivers a little better as far as getting them open look, yeah, I mean, there's some improvements he needs to make, but, I mean, you could say that about pretty much every quarterback in the league right now outside of Mahomes. I mean, they all got stuff that they need to work on. Um, The Chiefs defense certainly exposed that with Josh Allen and Brock Purdy as well this year. So, I mean, you know, I don't think the fact that, you know, he he has some stuff he needs to work on should diminish the fact that he had an incredible year. Um, And I think the MVP very well deserved and Eventually, eventually he's going to break free. I I truly believe we're going to get a Super Bowl out of him, like he said we would. I don't know when it's going to be, but he's got too much talent for for that to not happen. It was pretty special uh, to see him and
2: uh, and Joe actually yeah, Joe, yeah, get the comeback <laughs> player of the year. Man, uh, everyone thought of player uh, from the couch. Yeah. <laughs> everyone thought it was uh Hamlin's award to win and, uh, or you which know, it Hamlin's, was Hamlin's it award was to Scott lose rather. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, but I mean, that's really cool. I mean, it, w- it was really close obviously, but uh, that was pretty cool to kind of see them afterwards and, you know, catch up. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it made Ronnie happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if Ronnie would have a, a comment on that, but he, he released a end of year best of hits, which was a really fun video to watch. It brought back some good memories of the year, you know, as long as you're able to deal with the bad. (laughs) Which I think, like, maybe will be the last thing we would talk about on this episode is the KC Dynasty. They won last night, and uh, it was a very tight game. There's a lot of opportunities for 49ers to have won that game, and I really do feel like they kind of let that one slip out of their hands. uh, As is tradition, like, if you leave (laughs) the Chiefs around long enough, they will find a way. And uh, they just didn't put him away. They had the special teams snafu, uh, missed extra point, and uh, there was definitely something else in there that I am uh, forgetting about. Just the offensive late,
2: ineptitude in the middle yeah, of the game.
0: F- forgetting to run the ball. Yeah, after after the ha- uh, seeing Usher, and they're like, oh, if he can glide <laughs> yeah, like that, <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, you know, we can even throw a ball to Ayuk, you know, super deep or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Tough times for uh, 49ers fans. Also, also like just a quick commentary. Like, what would you have done? All right, if there's this like, whole discussion about the, the 49ers that, like didn't fully know the the new rules, which is like fascinating because we know the rules and we're not you know paid by the NFL uh, to know them. And I would have, I would always take the ball second because unless the team that you're going against has the cojones to score a touchdown and then go for two, you always have the opportunity for sudden victory. As a second, uh, whereas like unless you know unless you are basically have a perfect drive, you don't guarantee that third son victory that he was banking on for why he wanted to get the ball first. So I know there. I, I think Peter, you mentioned there's a, a rest element, which is not invalid, but uh, yeah, definitely. I, I was on the opinion like you got to go second. You want to go second if you have the choice.
1: I mean, for for me, I think it all depends on on the flow of the game. Um, my thought in the moment was. Yeah, I mean, you just you ju- you just had your defense on the field, and they just let up the the team to get back and you know score a, a field goal. I felt that that what I would have done if I was San Francisco in that situation was put my offense back on the field, try and do a ball control drive, give the defense a chance to rest, um, and then you know if you don't if you don't convert the the touchdown, which they didn't then at least you have an opportunity to to try and win the field position battle there. Um, you also put pressure on on the opposition because they know okay this is actually sudden death. Like if we mess up here then then that's it. Now of course, I mean at the end of the day though, in this situation I don't think it really mattered what San Francisco did. I think Kansas City is winning no matter what. Kansas City showed throughout the game time and time again, they were just better coached than San Francisco, they're better coached than Baltimore, they're better coached than Buffalo. The it's Kansas City right now, you watch the games; they just do so many intangible things at, at key downs and key plays in games right now, and they just do it so consistently that they're just not affording teams the ability to uh, to make mistakes. If you make a mistake, you're not going to keep up. It's it's you got to keep pace with them. Um, so, I mean, we can talk about the game theory about it, but I think in this specific instance. Didn't matter. KC was going to win either way. I think that San Francisco um, just didn't take enough advantage of opportunities that KC gave them um, in the second half. I mean, good gosh. I thought, I think they lost the Super Bowl after they went three and out after that interception at the beginning of mm-hmm. the second half. I mean, yeah. go three and out after you get a pick on Mahomes in the Super Bowl and do nothing with, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was downhill from there. It was just a slow, slow downhill fall from there. From San Francisco, they uh, played a great first half, but then after the second half, second half they just got a uh, scat out coached.
2: Yeah, man. So just like so frustrating their ability to continue drives. Um, you know, it's like nothing, nothing really about the offense this year is like, you know, it's not as explosive as it used to be. And I mean, I, in a lot of ways, I'm sure that's why people look at this team. They're like, Oh, it's the weakest KC team because they're not as explosive or, you know, their defense isn't as good or, you know, whatever, whatever the excuse is, but their ability to just continue drives constantly, And you know? like, Oh, doesn't really matter if they're in like a third and short third and kind of long. Like, I mean, as long as it, you know, it's not like third and 15 or third and 20 or whatever, like, they're probably going to convert and they're going to keep going. They're going to keep going. They're gonna keep going to keep going. And eventually they're going to score, um, you know, and their ability to, to just like, even in the passing game, like you can know that, like you've got a couple of yards to go and, you know, just a little like pre-snap motion, get a guy open, get eight yards, nine yards, like just consistently able to do that over and over and over and over again. Um, it's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it doesn't I don't know you watch it and you're just like it doesn't seem that hard but I mean I think you're right like it you know Reed obviously you know offensive mastermind like really really good and uh, you know obviously you know Kelsey has been in that offense a really long time Holmes has and the other guys on there like they just do
0: enough that just make it work they're gotta have it downs were remarkably consistent in conversion and the plays would always be very good, and sometimes they'd give you more out of it. You know, it's like a big third down. They throw a little crosser, Travis Kelsey. He has to turn into thirty yards instead of just the seven they needed, or whatever it was, right? Or the um, the read option they ran with Mahomes, and then he gets like twenty yards on the ground instead of the five they needed, or whatever it was. Like it was stuff like that where it's just like whenever they had to have it, they not only got it, but they got it in spades. And then um, you know the touchdown. Uh, Once they get down there, they're like, okay, you know, we score a touchdown here, we win, sudden victory, like, boom, they they pull out that play and it's it's wide open and all he has to do is catch it and he he freaking does, you know, (laughs) you're like this ragtag group that like literally have dropped game winning catches all year long. They just didn't drop them in this game. You know they were locked in. They they they. And that was that was the thing. I think the narrative about this team could have been a lot different if the supporting cast wasn't so flaky. There were, I mean, shoot. You remember in the opening game of the season, they lose because Tony like, you know, was absolutely awful. Like you know, called so many picks, etc. You know, well, he, he was he was gone. He wasn't in the game at all. But at the same time, like, you know, they just uh, MVS at one time. Like, if he just, like, catches the ball, had an easy touchdown, drops it, stuff like that. They could have had two more wins on the record. They could have been, you know, first seen maybe if that was the case. And, you know, you were talking about indifferently, differently. Even though they had some struggles over the year, you know, record at the end of the day is king. And, you know, if Mahomes is in first place, no one's going to say anything bad about him. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I think it's one of those things, like, his supporting cast, like, showed up in this game. And, um. And he's just in flat bowl. like like you were saying, Peter. There's really something to be said about how poised they are in those big moments, and um, never it never seems too big for him. And I mean, why would it? You know, he he goes to the big dance every year. It's like <laughs> six conference championship games, uh, plenty of Super Bowls. You know, it's just like the guy wins, and and that's. You get experience, you get the confidence. You've done it before. Shoot, man, that's tough to beat. So we're we're gonna have to come guns blazing. I do, I do truly feel, uh, whenever the Ravens do win a Super Bowl, there's like almost no chance that they'll they'll face the Chiefs. Like that that game will have to come. So, yep. <laughs> Stay tuned. Just like, just like the Patriots, man.
2: You know freaking they're, they're. dynasty, like unbelievable. You know, we had to do the same <laughs> thing against them and the. <laughs> the early 2010s 2011 2012 you're gonna have to do it again so um, you know I mean you know and that's that's what it takes right you
0: always talk about like if you want to be the best you got to be the best all right well I guess that wraps it up uh, the next show you'll hear from us is the vignettes episode uh, we' always excited to do that good collection of little memories from the season and a good way to look back on a team of many players who helped contribute to uh, the first team in Ravens history to bring the AFC Championship to Baltimore. Gotta respect that. So, we'll see you later. Go Ravens.